0: Hi, everyone. It is Allison, your host. I'm coming to you this morning from Southern California, where the hummingbirds are darting in and out of the bird-of-paradise bush. And Tucker, that teeny-weeny little dog, ancient little dog, across the street is literally sniffing the flowers in his garden. As I record this, it is Dr. Martin Luther King Day. It is less than 48 hours. Fewer? It is fewer than 48 hours, until a new administration takes over from this one. This is the first inauguration in my life that I have literally counted down the hours to. It is also the first one where I have been so consumed, overwhelmed, and exhausted from the sheer stress of it. Not two weeks ago, our capital was stormed by insurrectionists, some of whom did not seem to know quite what they were doing, and others who knew exactly what they were doing, including erecting a gallows on the grounds and calling for the death of some of our elected employees while stalking them room by room, floor by floor, like hunters through the halls of the building. Many of the people who stormed into and partially destroyed the Capitol in Washington, D.C., actions which resulted in the deaths of five people and countless more injuries, both physical and psychic, believe a number of massive lies that have been perpetrated on this country, on them. One of which is that this free and fair election was actually rigged and stolen, and that the current president had actually won re-election by a landslide. No matter the reams of evidence to the contrary, no matter the fact that this same election resulted in many candidates they support, also winning seats, people who believe this lie also believe that they are called to act upon it. When presented with evidence, they have doubled down. Like so many others, I watched the events of January 6th with horror. I've watched so many events of the last few years with horror and a kind of disbelief, lie after lie after lie said over and over and over, no backing down, no apologies, and ever deepening and ever dangerous, more and more dangerous rigidity. lies and destruction and horror and disbelief this morning like every morning i woke up to it all all over again and i also woke up to the memory of something that happened something that i did not just that happened but that i caused to happen when i was a small child maybe eight seven It was bedtime for me and my sisters, which meant putting on your pajamas, brushing your teeth, going to sleep. Pretty ordinary stuff. I was tired. I did not want to brush my teeth. It felt like just too much to ask. So in a move that still seems inexplicable, I wet my toothbrush and put it back in the holder and went downstairs to say goodnight to my parents. Somehow the question was asked, did you brush your teeth? Yes, I said. Somehow, it was clear that I hadn't. The details of this are kind of fuzzy in my mind. My younger sisters were called in for questioning. What had they observed in the bathroom? Our house had one bathroom, and we all tended to use it at the same time. My younger sisters had observed Allison wet her toothbrush and put it back in the holder. The younger sisters were sent to bed. Allison was placed on a chair facing her parents. Do you want to tell us what happened in the bathroom? I brushed my teeth. Are you sure? Yes. Is that what really happened? Yes. On and on we went for what in memory seems like hours, days, but was probably minutes. They knew I hadn't brushed my teeth. I knew I hadn't brushed my teeth. I did not give in. They did not give in. What I remember still, clearly, in a physical way, is the pit in my stomach, the desperation and panic I tried with all my might to hide. What I remember is that I would never give in. I would insist that I had brushed my teeth to my dying day. If that sounds overly dramatic, it was. Why was I so desperate? Why were they so fixated? What was really happening in that room? I don't remember how this evening ended, beyond the feeling that something in me had broken. There might have been a spanking. There might have been some other kind of punishment. Maybe there were a long few hours of me writing, I am sorry I lied about brushing my teeth 100 times on a yellow legal pad. I do not remember. What I do remember is my desperation that they believed me. My desperation not to tell the truth. It was a desperation so great that the lie I told over and over turned into truth. I, in one part of myself, believed it. Believed it fervently. My desperation was a feeling that somehow the only way through this hideous scenario was to double down on my lie and never give in. Occasionally, to this day, many decades later, my parents bring up the toothbrush story. I'm not sure why. It is not a funny or charming story. It has persisted in the annals of family history only because of its intensity and our mutual unease surrounding it. I do not smile or laugh when the toothbrush story is mentioned and neither does anyone else. We never have. Maybe the story still surfaces every once in a while because of that unease. Because we all sense that there is something to be learned from it, something we have not yet gotten to the heart of. Do my parents wish they had been gentler, kinder? Do they wish they had allowed room for me, a very small child, to admit what I'd done without that desperate fear I clearly felt? Do they wish... They had given me more room to change my mind, to talk it out, so that we could all get to the heart of what I was so afraid of, so worried about? I don't know. The toothbrush story comes floating back into my mind when I think of the lies and lies and lies perpetrated on a public who, no matter how much evidence to the contrary is presented, keeps doubling down on their belief that these lies are true. I can tell you that it takes enormous effort to keep stating a lie, to keep believing in a lie. It also takes so much effort to allow for the possibility that the lie you have put your faith into is, in fact, a lie. What if we allowed each other more room and space to change our minds, to admit we were wrong? Seeking the truth is not easy. Standing up against lies is not easy. Both are necessary. Emily Dickinson comes to mind today. Here is her poem. A Man May Make a Remark by Emily Dickinson A man may make a remark in itself, a quiet thing that may furnish the fuse unto a spark in dormant nature lane. Let us deport with skill, let us discourse with care, powder exists in charcoal before it exists in fire. That's it for today's show, my friends. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, please spread the word by sending the link to someone else who might also like it and give us a good rating wherever you listen to your podcasts if you are so inclined. original theme music for our show is by Dylan Parisi. Additional music by Kelly Krebs. Today's poem, A Man May Make a Remark by Emily Dickinson is in the public domain. Words by Winter is created and hosted by me writer Allison McGee. Tell me what you're going through and I will go in search of a poem to help you through, to help us all through, the way that poems have been helping me since I was a little girl. You can send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com or just drop me a line at the same address which is wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. For more info go to com words by winter, conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life, because it is rough out there. God knows it's rough out there, and we have to help each other through.